Well, good morning, Canyon Hills, and happy new year. Man, it's crazy to think that 2019 is already over and in the past, and now we're in 2020. But it's so great to be here with each and every one of you this morning. It's an honor for me to be uh, kicking off the brand new year with all of you. And before we get started with our message this morning, I just wanted to take a brief moment to express a word of thank you to each and every one of you. Um, I'm not going to go by name, by row, but uh, as most of you know, over the last month, pretty much, uh, my family's life has been a little bit chaotic with our son deciding to come about five weeks early uh, ahead of schedule in his birth. And between being in hospital visits with my wife with various health condition issues and then going back and forth to the NICU for two whole entire weeks, it was a pretty busy, a pretty chaotic, and a pretty hectic time for us, but we have never felt so much love and compassion and kindness from a group of people than we have from this church body. So we just want to say thank you on behalf of Tiffany, Oliver, and myself, just our utmost thanks for all of your support, all of your kindness, your prayers, because even though there were moments where it was touch and go and we didn't really know what was going to happen next, we knew that we never had anything to fear because not only was God on our side, but we had all of you on our back as well, praying for us and supporting us. So thank you all from the bottom of our hearts for just making our life a reality this last month. And as we're talking about fear and, and all these things, chances are that if you're like most people in this world, you at some point in your life have had an encounter with some real type of fear, some experience that has led you to be afraid of something. And just like this video this morning, I think we all can relate because whether we want to realize it or even acknowledge it, somewhere deep down inside of our lives, we all are living in fear. We may not realize it, we may not want to admit it, but it's there. It's a real thing that exists inside of us that we constantly live in fear. And as I was attempting to prepare for this message between feedings and changing diapers and no sleep and figuring out I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to do this. So I'm living in fear and my message of living in fear. It's really crazy. Um, as I was doing some research, I came across this really fascinating study that talked about fear. And it talked about how fear is manifested inside of us, how we get fears in our lives. And one of the most important things that I learned is that when we're born and the infant stages of our life, there's really only two fears that we have. You know what they are? Close. It's the fear of falling and it's the fear of loud noises. Those are our two primal fears that we're born with. How they know that, I have no idea. It's not like the baby can tell you. It's like, I'm afraid, right? But these are the two fears that we're born with. They're primal inside of us as the inroodings of who we are and what we're afraid of. And then as we grow up, as we continue to go through life experiences, we begin to get new fears based off of how we interact with these things in our life, whether it be good or whether it be bad. And odds are every single one of you know exactly what I mean, because as you grew up in your life, you realize, man, I'm afraid of this thing. I have this real fear in my life. For instance, how many of you as a kid growing up were afraid of the dark? Raise your hand. Perfect. We'll make the pitch black in here just to make you all happy. Um, but yeah, being afraid of the dark, the boogeyman's going to get you, right? It's a very real fear as you're a child. What about as a kid, how many of you were afraid of spiders? These little tiny things that would like run around the house and they could jump and bite you. Something so small could paralyze you. It's crazy to think about. But let me ask this. How many of you as adults are still afraid of spiders? I see your hands. God bless you, right? I'm right there with you. What about as a kid, how many of you were afraid of thunder? The loud crack and peal of a sound in the middle of the night that would shake the windows, causing you to run and jump into bed with mom and dad looking for some kind of safety and security. 
You see, we all have these fears that as, ch- as children, as we're growing up, they affect us. They become real to us and they dictate how we live our lives and what we choose to do on a daily basis, how we respond to things in life. You know, growing up as a kid, I think I had a very irrational fear now that I look back upon it as adult. I remember when I was really young, it was later in the evening after dinner time, I was sitting down watching TV. I'm not quite sure where my parents were. They were somewhere in the house, but I was watching TV and I was watching this movie called Ernest Scared Stupid. Has anybody ever seen this movie before? Some of you have. I know I just dated it myself. It's a super old movie, right? But if you haven't seen this movie, you're in better shape than those who have seen this movie. But in this movie, there was this troll-like creature called the Trantor. And the Trantor's main goal and focus in life was to take sleeping children and turn them into these little wooden dolls and then gather them all together to get enough so he could raise his army from the underworld and take over the world. Now, as a child, watching that after dinner and then turning the TV off and being told, okay, now it's time for you to go to bed, I was like, oh my gosh, right? I went and I laid in bed for weeks and months and was so afraid to close my eyes in fear that the tranter was going to come and turn me into a little wooden doll. Now, as an adult, I look at that and say, that is so irrational. Like, it's a movie. Come on. How do you not see that? But as a child, that was real to me. That was really scary. And even though you may not have had that kind of rational fear, how many of you growing up had the fear, or even maybe still today, that if your hand, your leg slightly hangs off the edge of the bed, that the creature, the person's going to come and grab you and pull you under the bed, right? Some of you are right there. You know that fear. I also had this fear growing up. I lived in a room with my brother and we had bunk beds. And I remember when it was time for bed and it was dark in the house, I would run and try to jump from the floor to hit to the second ladder piece and then climb up into the bed to avoid getting attacked by this person under the bed. And if it was late at night and I had to go to the bathroom, man, it was like a scene from the Maze Runner, right? I had to like climb halfway down the ladder and then jump over off of the bed to try to avoid that person, run through the dark to avoid the boogeyman, and then get into the bathroom and shut the door to find some safety. But man, can you imagine if I shut that door and all of a sudden there was a peal of thunder and lightning that illuminated a spider on the window outside? Jesus, take me now. Game over, right? It's just, I'm done. It's like four things right after another. But you see, we all have these fears in our lives. We all struggle. We all battle with different types of fears of our own because it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our makeup. And my goal today isn't to minimize fear in your life. No, my goal is simply to take a look at these fears. And what I want to do is I want to take a look at four of humanities, of mankind's most common types of fears, according to Google. Uh, Our four most common types of fears, and then take a look to see what God's word says in light of these. And the whole point of why we're doing this is because we're in this series called I Quit. And the the idea behind this series is that typically at this time of year, so many of us are so focused on starting new things in our lives, right? I'm going to start eating healthier. I'm going to start working out more. I'm going to start going for that job promotion. I'm going to start to invest myself in better relationships. We keep adding things to our already overloaded and full plates of life. But what if this year, Instead of adding to our overloaded schedules, we started taking some things away. We started saying, you know what? I'm going to start quitting these things, or I'm going to start removing these things that are really holding me back from living the life that God has called me to live. And one of those is living in fear. And we're going to talk about really how we experience fear and what God tells us 
as a result of fear. Now, keep in mind that I'm not minimizing fear whatsoever. It's a real thing. A lot of people struggle with fear. And my goal today by the end of this message is just to help give you some tools to make some small baby steps towards overcoming those fears, towards conquering those fears. And we're going to look at four of them today. Now, contrary to what you read on the Anaheim Hills Buzz or the Yorba Linda Buzz, these four fears are not gunshots, earthquakes, coyotes, and helicopters. That's not what it's at. These four are a little bit more tangible and something we all can relate to. And the first one is this. It's the fear of loss. The fear of loss. It's the fear of losing something significant in our lives. If you're married, it's the fear of losing your spouse to an illness or maybe to divorce. If you're a parent, what I'm learning right now, it's the fear of losing your child to a disease or maybe to a kidnapping or unfortunately to a school shooting. You see, these are real fears that we have in the culture that we live today and that we have to work our way through and they're terrifying to have to deal with. And if you're not a parent, if you're not married, maybe your fear is a little bit more tangible in the fear of loss. Maybe it's losing your job, losing your retirement, losing your car, losing your house or your apartment, losing some kind of possession that you have in your life where you want to hold on to it. Or maybe it's the fear of losing control. You don't want to lose the control you have over the situation because it makes you feel like you're in power. You see, God has given us so many amazing things in our lives. He has blessed us above and beyond each and every day. And he wants us to use the things that we've been given to bless his kingdom, to make more and better disciples. But when we start to fear loss, we hold on to these things. We become greedy. We become selfish and we reserve them for ourselves rather than using them the way that God intended them to be used. So the fear of loss is a real fear for a lot of people. The second fear we're going to take a look at is this. It's the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Now, some of you may think that, man, I I really want to go for that job promotion. I really want to do this, but I'm afraid I'm going to be inadequate. I'm not going to have what it takes. Maybe some of you have said, man, I really want to start a life group here at Canyon Hills, but I'm afraid that if I do, nobody's going to show up. Or maybe if I do and people do come, they're not going to come back the next week because I wasn't an effective leader. See, this fear, it really does paralyze us. It holds us captive and it limits what we decide to do and what we don't do. And as we continue to think about it, maybe it's you've got this fear if you wanted to start a ministry or maybe go back to school or maybe write a book or maybe repair a broken relationship or get out of a toxic relationship. Whatever it may be, we're afraid of failing in those things and therefore we don't even start. You see, God has called us to do some amazing things in our life. He says, I have a plan. I have a purpose for you. It's going to be great. It's going to be glorious. You just need to take that step of faith and do what I've asked you to do. But when we're afraid to fail, we don't do these things. And it keeps us right where we are rather than growing into the person that God has called us to be. The third fear is this. It's the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. And guys, you can relate to this. When you ask that girl out for the very first time on a date or to marry you, you're afraid that she would look at you and say, seriously, you? right? Like this is the best that I can do. That's a fear for a lot of people. We fear that kind of rejection inside of our life. Or even if you're married, you're afraid that your spouse is going to leave you for someone younger or someone better looking or more well off than you are. We're afraid of being rejected. And it goes beyond that to even a global scale. You see, we're afraid to people please which means we want to be liked by the people around us. So we have to dress a certain way. We have to talk a certain way. We have to walk a certain way. We have to have the right car, the right clothing, the right house, the right this, the right that, because if people don't like us, what's the point of living? And when we get to this point, we began to live our life 
for the world rather than to live our life for God. And this fear of rejection, it really distorts our values and what we do with our lives. The fourth and final fear we'll talk about this morning is this, the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. What if I get a serious disease? What if I'm in a car accident? What if the economy crashes and I lose my retirement or my investment? What if I lose my job? These are all real fears that each and every one of us have, the fear of the unknown of what's going to happen next. And so many people right now find themselves in a bad situation. Maybe it's an abusive relationship, a toxic work environment, a corrupt family gathering scenario, but we're too afraid to leave these things because we don't know who we would be without them. And so it's easier for us to stay stuck in captivity, in pain, in these hard situations of our life, rather than leave them and be set free because we're afraid of what that would look like. What if I can't make it on my own? What if I can't do this? What if I can't do that? This fear, it paralyzes us. See, I've heard so many people say, man, my life is so blessed right now. It's only a matter of time before something bad happens right? We all have heard that. I mean, I've, I've been so richly blessed. Life is going so good. Something bad is bound to happen. That's the fear of the unknown. That's what it really comes down to. Now, how many of you can say honestly that you can relate to one of these four fears? Yeah, there's a lot of us. How many of you can relate to all four of these fears in your life? Man, I am afraid for you. I'm just kidding, right? No, that's, it's real. It's something that every single one of us battles with. We struggle to work through these fears and they are real. They prevail themselves. They take captive, captivity in our lives. But you see, we so often forget the promise that's been made to us in Scripture. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. You see, God did not give us our fear. It comes from our spiritual enemy. But yet so many of us are held captive by it. We're afraid. We're worried we're depressed, we're burdened, we're overwhelmed, we're paralyzed by this thing that isn't even from God that really is part of our own doing, part of something that we've manifested in ourselves. And because of that, it controls who we are and what we decide to do in our lives. But we need to remember that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And when I started to learn that and really apply that to my life, man, I started to see my fears slowly being conquered, slowly being removed. Like I said, I don't want to minimize it because fear is something that's hard for a lot of us to get over because it's something that's innate. It's born, it's ingrained inside of us. But if we start to take these small steps and we start to realize that, man, God has given me power. God still loves me. God has given me a sound mind. Well, it makes our fears seem not as big, not as bad as they could be. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that fear is the opposite of faith. But I actually disagree with this statement. I think that fear is faith. It's just faith in the wrong things. It's faith placed in the what ifs of life. What if this bad thing happens to me? Now notice nobody ever does a good what if, right? Man, what if my life is great? I get that job promotion. I get that new car. I get that new wife. I have a new family. I've got a new cat. Life is great for me, right? We never hear these kind of things. Except for that one crazy person's like, man, what if I win the lottery? I'm going to give it to the church because the church is just amazing and I want to bless them in return. No, we never hear that, right? It's always the bad side of things. What if this bad thing happens to me? 
What if this bad thing takes control of my life? How do I respond? What do I do? And it makes us afraid. But it's not just us. We even see this in scripture. There's this guy in the Old Testament by the name of Moses. Most of you know this story who happens to be walking outside and he looks and he sees this light burning at a distance. So he walks up closer and he sees this bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Now, this is a crazy sight in and of itself, right? The bush is literally engulfed in flames, but it's not turning to ash. It's not physically burning per se. It's just consumed. It's lit on fire. That's one of those things, if you were to look at it and say, this is really cool, but I really probably should walk away from this, right? This doesn't look like this is a healthy situation for me to be involved in, because what if that just jumps onto me and I start combusting into flames, right? Playing the what if game. But it's also those things like, this is so cool, I can't help but not look away, right? I got to stay invested in it. But nevertheless, Moses, he's intrigued and he goes closer and all of a sudden the bush calls out to him, Moses. Now at that point, I'd be like, peace out, bush, I'm gone, right? It's like this flaming bush that's burning is calling me by name. Uh-uh, no, game over, right? But Moses keeps walking and the bush says, Moses, I've called you to deliver my people, to rescue my people. I've got a purpose for you, a plan for you. I want you to go and be an intercessor on my behalf. But you see, Moses does what every single one of us does. Moses starts to play the what if game. In Exodus 4, he says, what if they don't believe me? God, what if they don't listen to me? God, what if they don't really believe that you are the one who sent me and that I come from you with this message? And even though God told him, look, I'm going to give you everything that you need. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you the resources. I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the power, the signs, the miracles, the wonders. Moses still plays this game that every single one of us does. What if God because I'm afraid. What if, because I'm afraid, what if I lose my job? What if I can't pay my bills? What if, because I can't pay my bills, I have to sell my car? What if after I sell my car, I have to sell my house? What if after I sell my house, I have to move back in with mom and dad? What if I move in with mom and dad and I can't find that right person? What if I do find that right person and they're a jerk? What if I end up marrying this jerk? What if we try to have kids together? What if we have 10 kids? What if we can't have kids, right? What if all 10 kids go to college at the same time? What if all 10 kids want to drive at the same time? What if, Lord forbid, all 10 kids get hurt? What if all 10 kids die and it's just me and my wife and the cat. What if our cat has 10 kittens? It's this never ending cycle that we play of what ifs. It goes on and on and on and it captivates us. It paralyzes us and it makes us live in fear every single day. But let me ask you this question. Why do your what ifs even matter? Why do your what ifs matter? They do nothing but bring pain and hurt and disappointment to our life when we start to play this game in our heads. It sets us so far back. You know, I heard something really foundational and fundamental from a guy that I admire a lot by the name of Louis Giglio. When talking about fear, he said there's two ways that we really should look at fear, and it's this, and I hope you guys get this. The first one is this. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. Meaning if you are afraid of your spouse leaving, it means that you value marriage. And that's great. If you're afraid of your child getting sick or ill, it means that you value prosperity and health. And that's great. If you value that you're, or you're afraid that you're going to lose your finances, your financial security, it means that you value this kind of security. And that's not a bad thing in and of itself. But we have to recognize that what we fear represents what we value the most in our lives. But here's the other side to it and the more important side to it. 
Also, what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear reveals where you trust God the least. Meaning, if I'm afraid my spouse is going to leave me, it means God's not in my marriage. God's not a part of my relationship. If you're afraid that your child or your family is going to get sick, it means that God's not in the prosperity. You don't believe that God has a purpose and a plan of healing and restoration and life for your family. If you're afraid of financial security, it means that you're not trusting God with your future. You don't believe that he's big enough, that he's good enough to provide for you. You see, what you fear reveals really where you trust God the least. Now, I think this is a great time to get super awkward and personal with all of you. And what I want you to do is somewhere on your notes outline right now, there's a lot of blank spaces, but I want you to answer this question honestly. This is just between you and God, nobody else in the room. And I want you to own this and really answer it. And the question is this, I'm not trusting God with what in my life? And as we're talking about fears, we're talking about all these things, what is it that you're holding on to that you're afraid to trust God with? to give over to God. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's health or family or an aging parent or a job or promotion. Maybe it's one of those things, but I just want you to be vulnerable between you and God, to be honest and to be open right now, because the first step is really to start to own these fears and to write down somewhere on your bulletin. I'm going to give you just a minute to take some time to write that one or two words down on your outline. For most of us, that's probably pretty easy for us to answer. Some of us, maybe it's a little bit harder and we have to think a little bit longer. And if you didn't take the time to do it now, I encourage you just when you go home to think about it as well or start to look at your day, look at your week and answer that question. And I feel that since I was asking you to be open and honest, that I should be open and honest with all of you as well. And as I was going and preparing for this message, I asked myself the same question. What is it that I'm not trusting God with in my life? And my answer was the future. And it's not that I believe something bad is going to happen to me per se. It's more a fear of inadequacy. And what that means to me is that I'm afraid that I'm not going to have what it takes to keep up with the great things that God is doing here at Canyon Hills and within my family. I'm not going to have the skills, the talents, the vision, the strength, the energy. Now that I've got a newborn in my house, I'm not going to have that to be able to make it through. And the fear that sits inside of me is what if I can't handle all of this? And as I start to look at the weeks and the months and the years and all the things that I've got to get done, it overwhelms me and it makes me afraid. And what that tells me as I started to really pray and seek this is that I'm not trusting God with my future. Meaning that there's some part deep down inside of me that says, God, even though I know who you are and I have this great relationship with you, there's a part of me that doesn't believe you're still going to be with me and help me as I go through this life. You're not going to strengthen me you're not going to lift me up. You're not going to walk beside of me. There's almost a doubt that exists there. And that's hard as a pastor to have to struggle with that. But as I started to think about it and I started to pray with it. What I realized is that this is a fear that probably most people have, that most people struggle with. And it's so easy for us to say, you know what, when it comes to conquering fears, I need to go from this valley to this mountaintop transformation that in 24 hours, my fear needs to be gone. But that's not a reality. The reality is to conquer your fears, it takes time. 
It takes work. It takes making these small little baby steps one after another after another to minimize the risk, to help make the situation seem not as big or not as powerful. I uh, recently, again, watched this movie called Hacksaw Ridge. It's this great movie. I encourage you guys to watch it. It's a war film. Um, but without rooting too much the movie, pretty much there's two armies that are going to battle with each other. One army is winning and the other army is starting to retreat. And there's this medic who's there, who sees his buddies dying on the battlefield and being wounded. And while his whole army is retreating, he feels that he needs to do his job to keep going into harm's way to rescue his unit. And so before he goes into the battle, the only one going forward, everybody else is running back. He has one simple phrase that he says. He says, God, just give me one more. Or he says, God, I'm going to run into harm's way. I'm going to run into the mouth of the enemy and grab a hold of this person and bring them out. God, give me one more life to save. And when he does it and he brings them back, he prays, he says, God, thank you for this one. Now give me another. God, give me another. God, give me just one more. You see, folks, this is how we conquer. This is how we begin to quit the fears in our life. We don't take a look and say, man, if I'm afraid of finances, I just want to be win the lottery and be rich all of a sudden, right? No, it's making these small steps. God, in this moment, in this current fear that I have right now, help me. God, come between me and my fear and help me in this moment. And then once that moment is conquered, you take a step forward and say, God, praise the Lord that I made it a step forward. Let's do another one. And you take another step forward and another step forward. It's a constant series of steps. And that's how I've learned to manage this fear of the future that I have. I was afraid with a newborn and feeding and crying and diaper changes and the lack of sleep that I was not going to be prepared for this message. That part of me was saying, there's no way that I'm going to be able to have enough energy, enough time to actually memorize my message, to write my message, to put a PowerPoint together, to get up and have the energy to preach it to you. But as I started on Monday, I said, God, give me today. God, allow your words to speak through me and allow me to have just one page done. Monday went and I got page one done. Praise the Lord, God. Thank you for today. How about another one and another one and another one and another one? And it's brought me to where I am today. It's brought me up to here, which is just a testament to my faith that God is bigger than my fears, that God is bigger than my worries. God's goodness can make my fears seem so inconsequential and so small, but I have to trust them over to him. But you see, that's just me. I don't know what you put down on your bulletin, your outline, but I pray that you just do the same, that you start to look at your fears, not as this overwhelming task, but it's something that you can slowly work on chipping away at. And yeah, maybe they'll never go away, but they will lessen. They will get smaller as you continue to work towards them. So with the rest of our time this morning, what I really want to do is, now that we've kind of talked about fear and its power in our lives, is really to see what God has to say about how we can handle our fears, how we can really start to work towards quitting the fears in our lives. And the first one is this, we're encouraged to acknowledge our fear to acknowledge your fear. You see, you'll never know that a fear has power and control over you until you're willing to admit it. You have to say, God, there is this thing in my life that I am not trusting you with. There is this thing in my life that is holding me back that I am afraid of and I don't want to let it go. You have to be open. You have to be vulnerable. You can't walk around going, la, 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 it doesn't exist. If I don't see it, if I don't hear it, it's not real, right? That's not how life works. We have to own it. We have to recognize it, to know it's a legitimate fear, and then take the next step to minimize the risk and trust God with the rest. 
There's a perfect example of someone who did this in scripture by the name of David. To set the context, David was being groomed to be the next king of Israel. And there was a current king by the name of Saul. Saul was a jealous man. And he saw David rising to power. And he says, man, this good looking, younger, well-influenced guy, he's going to take over my position. He's a threat to me. And so he gathered his military officials, his advisors, the people in his courts. And he said, I want you to do whatever it takes to find David, hunt him down and kill him to remove this threat from my life. And as we read through the Old Testament, we see this reoccurring theme of David on the run for his life. He's afraid for his life. He's saying, gosh, everywhere I go, people are trying to hunt me down to kill me. Everywhere I go, there's no safe place for me. God, I'm afraid that I'm going to die. And so I've got to constantly be on the move and it's tiring. It's draining and it's holding me captive in fear to where I can't live the life that you called me to live. But look at how he responds. This verse is so influential. If you get nothing else from this message, I pray that it's this verse. I want you to write it down. I want you to sharpie it onto your arm. I want you to, you know, scratch it into your neighbor's car so you see it every day. Whatever you have to do to memorize this verse, right? It says this in Psalm 56. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? How powerful is that? A man who's on the run for his life. That's his viewpoint. You see, David had this switch where he wasn't viewing on this eternal or this uh, earthly perspective, but rather this eternal perspective. And he says something that every single one of us needs to get to a place in our lives where we say it. And he says this, God, even if the worst what if I can ever possibly imagine comes true in my life. If I choose to give it over to you, what can man do to me? Nothing. Because even the worst of fears we ever could have pale in comparison to the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And that's what he wants us to learn. That's what he wants us to take away from this, to acknowledge our fears, to say, God, I've got to start somewhere. And it's going to start by saying, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what's holding me captive. And God, I pray that you help me through this thing. God, that you help me see it to the next day. Because what I've realized, and once again, this is just me, and maybe you can relate, is that the further I seem like I am from God, the more real my fears seem. But the closer I am to God, the less powerful my fears become. And I pray that you can find a way to get closer to God to where he can start to minimize your fears. And we do that first by acknowledging the fact that there is something that we're not trusting God with, that we're afraid of. And the second thing is to do this, is to seek God. It's to seek God until your fear goes away, to seek him in his word, to seek him in prayer, to seek him in a life group, to seek him by having friends and family come and pray over you day in and day and night. You pray and you seek God until he makes that fear minimized, until he makes that fear seem like it's nothing. You know, David also goes on in Psalm 34 to say something foundational. He says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and not only did he answer me, but he delivered me. He rescued me. He set me free from the worst fear I could ever possibly imagine. You know, to be honest and vulnerable, there was a time in my life where I didn't believe something like that could be true. There's no way that God could be bigger than my fears because my fear is real. It's powerful. It's big. And it's in front of me right now. 
And this situation is way too big for me to handle. And I'm afraid I'm captive by it. But let me tell you this, over this last month, I have seen God rescue and deliver the person I love more than anybody else in this world. Most of you know my wife, Tiffany, she struggled with infertility. She struggled with chronic illness. And we just kept getting time and time again, every doctor we would go to, man, it's not looking good for you guys ever to have children. We kept hearing no, kept getting closed doors, kept hearing it didn't work. This is not going to happen. Then we got to a place where we acknowledged this fear. And we said, God, we're afraid we're never going to be parents. We're afraid that it's never going to happen for us. And that was hard to accept. That was hard to get to that place where we could be vulnerable and admit that before the Lord. But it was then we said, God, we're just going to give this to you. God, we know that you are bigger than our fears. We know that you can work amazing wonders in our life. And so we submit our fear to you. God, let your will be done. If we don't have kids, we don't have kids. There's other things that we can do. And even though this is something that our heart desires and that we want for our lives, if it's not in your plan, Father, then give us a peace about it. And we sought the Lord. We prayed over it. We submitted it. We gave it to God. Let me tell you, God answered in a big way. Actually, a very small way, about 19 inches and five pounds, but you get the point right? God answered our worst fears in the biggest way. Let me tell you, ever since that moment, all it took was one fear being conquered for me to realize fear holds no power over me. And it is a struggle. Every day I have to think about it. Every day I have to ask, God, just get me through one more. But somewhere deep down inside, I know because I've seen God move that he can do it again. And if I bring it to him and I seek him and I give it to him and I acknowledge it, he's going to be faithful to be there. Now, it doesn't mean that it's going to completely be removed. We're still going to struggle with it, but maybe it's not going to be as bad as it was before. You know, John Wesley once said this, I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Whenever I feel fearful, emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and thank God that he is still on the throne, reigning over everything. And I take comfort in his control over the affairs of my life. What a great quote. It says, whenever I feel fearful, emotions overtaking me. I close my eyes and thank God that he is still on the throne reigning over everything. See folks, this is how we overcome fear. When we find ourselves in those moments when we're captivated, when we're paralyzed and we don't know where to go, we are afraid. We just need to pause. Stop trying to react in the moment, just to pause, to close our eyes, just to to find that moment and say, God, I pray that you come right now in between me and this fear. God, that you help me. God, this is something I'm struggling with and I'm seeking you in this moment. When you seek him in that moment, he's faithful to be there. He may not answer the way that you want him to, but he's still faithful to be there and say, I'm going to carry you through to the next thing and then the next one and then the next one. It's a two-way streak. You've got to do your part, but I'm faithful to do mine as well. See folks, this is how we overcome fear. This is how I'm learning to manage that fear of the future I have in my life. That when I look at what's coming up this next week or this next month or this next year, I just go at it one at a time and I say, God, I am just submitting to you right now that this is what's on my plate. And I know it's more than I can handle, but I'm going to rely upon your strength to help me through. And then when he does, I say, praise the Lord, you got me through. Now let's do another one. Let's do another one and another one. You see, we start to conquer and we can quit our fears when we first acknowledge them, minimize the risk and seek God in the midst of them. But we have to know that what we fear really shows us what we value the most and where we trust God the least. We need to get to a place where we can be like David and say, God, what can mere mortals do to me? 
because you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. God, help me overcome this fear. Would you pray with me? Father, we are just, God, we are so grateful for you. God, we know that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. God, we pray that we just wouldn't accept this fear, that we wouldn't resign to this fear in our lives. God, I pray that we also wouldn't go down this long train of what ifs. What if this happens? What if I lose a child or I go bankrupt? And what if I lose my job? What if this does happen? God, we know we go through difficult times. God, we know that fear is real. We know that it's one of the greatest tools the enemy has that can be manifested in us. But God, I pray that you break through these fears. God, that you would help us see what can mortal man do to us when we fully trust in you, when we lay our hands in your power. God, I pray that you just help us to take that next step. God, whatever that fear is that we wrote down on our bulletins, whatever we said that we're not trusting in you, God, I pray as we walk out these doors, that we would just take a moment and say, God, I pray that you just come between me and this fear. God, that I recognize its power in my life, but I'm choosing to give it to you today. God, help us quit our fears. We love you. Pray this in your name. Amen.